Welcome to The Open Word, the online teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry on today's episode. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Now returning for the first time, at least since his conversion that we know of, he's returning back to Tarsus, his hometown, returning back to the place of his childhood. Perhaps there's aged parents that are still there. Perhaps he has brothers and sisters that are there. Do they know of his conversion or not? We don't know. We don't have any record of that at all. All we do know that now he has turned to the teachings of that rabbi from Nazareth. Whereas before, he was an enemy of Christianity, he is now a proponent, he is, he is a Christian himself, and he has now become an enemy to his former peers. Paul was originally one of the great enemies to Christianity, yet as time progressed, he became one of the most important leaders in the Christian movement. Today, Pastor David teaches you that Paul's conversion was unexpected and unexplainable to those who knew him. They were all dumbfounded upon his conversion, From this you learn that there's power in turning from your old ways. When you allow Jesus to influence and change your life, you become a testament to his power and glory. Here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 9 as he continues his message, Saul's Early Ministry. They choose and they desire to destroy both the message and the messenger. This comes to Paul very early on in the ministry. That's why he writes to to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It's the preaching of the cross that brings an offense to those who willingly reject the message of the gospel. And Saul is only just now realizing that from this side of it. Remember before, he was on the antagonistic side. He was on the gospel haters side for most all of his life. And now he is on that side that's receiving persecution because of his faith. And Here, those who had been his comrades, they're now seeking to take his life because he's now preaching the message of the cross. And verse 30, yeah, Acts 9, verse 30, we read that when the brothers found out, they brought him to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. Caesarea, the city there by the sea, uh, Caesarea Maritima, that from there he would catch a ship and, and go north along the Mediterranean, along the coastline to what's now our modern Turkey, to where his hometown was there in Tarsus. It was years later that, again, now the Apostle Paul gives the testimony of this particular time to a crowd that, uh, again, is, is there in Jerusalem. Years later, he's back in Jerusalem 
He's there on the Temple Mount. Uh, big ruckus begins because he's sharing the reality of the gospel. And a big mob comes, a riot happens. And again, the Roman soldiers come and take Paul and they begin to remove him from the scene. But then he gets a chance while he's on the steps there to be able to address the crowd of Jews there on the Temple Mount. And this is what he shares, a portion of his testimony. This is Acts 22. Paul is saying to this crowd, now it happened when I returned to Jerusalem from Damascus and I was praying in the temple that I was in a trance and I saw the Lord Jesus saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. And so I said, Lord, they know that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believe on you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by consenting to his death and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. So Paul is fessing up, owning up to the fact that I was among those who persecuted the Christians. But then he says in verse 21 there in Acts 22, he says, but then the Lord told me to depart because I'm going to send you far from here to the Gentiles. God had a plan and purpose for Saul. It wasn't to be a witness to the Jews, but it was to be a witness to the Gentiles. And again, how that vision, how what he shares with us later on in the book of Acts, how that was all played out to the Christian brothers at the point in time that this event was happening, we don't know, but it does say that when the brethren found out, they took him, brought him to Caesarea, and shipped him off to Tarsus. It would seem that once Saul was out of the region, that things kind of calmed down. It came to, again, the, 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 the uproar that was going on. As, as a matter of fact, in Acts 9, look down at verse 31. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. So, all, all this turmoil, all this persecution that had been going on. Remember, a great persecution came about at the stoning of Stephen. How long had that persecution continued? Well, I believe as long as the persecutor was the one that was pushing the buttons and, and, and pushing for the persecution. Now that Saul is a believer, the whole persecution movement kind of died down, at least for a moment, at least to some extent. And as it says... The brethren and the sisters there in Jerusalem, the church itself, they continued walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and the church membership was multiplied. God continued to do the work. It's at this point in, in, in Luke's record here in Acts that Saul literally disappears from the scene once more, at, at least for a season. The disciples in Jerusalem sent him back to Tarsus, his home city. No doubt they did it for his own safety because the Hellenistic Jews wanted to kill him. But I believe also it was a time for him to continue on in growth, continue on in preparation for the work of the ministry. He's now returning for the first time, at least since his conversion that we know of, he's returning back to Tarsus, his hometown, returning back to the place of his childhood. Perhaps there's aged parents that are still there. Perhaps he has brothers and sisters that are there. 
Do they know of his conversion or not? We don't know. We don't have any record of that at all. All we do know that now he has turned to the teachings of that rabbi from Nazareth, whereas before he was an enemy of Christianity. He is now a proponent. He is, he is a Christian himself, and he has now become an enemy to his former peers. He's also now a fugitive from two great cities, from Damascus and Jerusalem. You know, they, they both want to kill him. And so for a while, he's up there in Tarsus and along the way. Would his family, would his hometown accept that message of the gospel or would they reject it? Again, we really don't know. But once again, if we go to Paul's writings himself, we find out in the book of Galatians where he says, during that time, I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia and I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ but they were hearing only that he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God in me. The conversion and the life of the apostle Paul, formerly Saul of Tarsus, was making an impact on the world as, again, not only from the message that he was preaching, but also people giving glory and honor to God because they see how God had changed his life. Most of what we see there during that time, we don't hear a whole lot. We, We don't see written a whole lot. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians about a lot of sufferings that he went through for the cause of Christ. Many of those we really don't find record of even in Luke's writings. Some of the things that Paul speaks about in 2 Corinthians. But Paul continued on in the ministry, even in the midst of all the trials and all the attacks that were going on in his life. And again, Luke, Luke gives us a pretty accurate account of the apostle's life and his ministry. Once he comes back in in chapter 11, we pick up again Paul's story again. But for the rest of it, we really don't know because Paul or Saul of Tarsus went up to Tarsus on his own. There was no Luke with him. There was no Barnabas with him. There was no Silas with him that we know of. He was just up there for a while. Now, as we go on through Acts chapter 9, we next move into the ministry and the mission work of the apostle Peter. We're not going to get into that today at all. We're going to save that for a later time. I want to bring your mind, actually, as we kind of wrap things up this morning, I want to bring your mind to three different individuals who had an impact on Saul's life before his conversion as well as after his conversion. We've spoken of a couple of them earlier. I want to bring all three of them together this morning. We spoke of the impact of the man Ananias. Again, when when Paul was struck blind on the road to Damascus, went on into Damascus, three days neither eating or drinking and blind and praying to the Lord. Ananias was the man that God used to, again, minister to Saul of Tarsus at that point. Now, as far as Ananias, we have absolutely no history of him, uh, either before or after the conversion of Saul other than how God used this one that could, could outside of us get, getting his name, other than that, he, he's an unknown believer. He's just a guy that God uses. But he's a guy that's listening to God and obedient to God 
even when the task is difficult. We've already talked about Ananias some. Another one that we already talked about was, was Stephen. Uh, and again, and although the scripture is silent on the impact of Stephen's death on the apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus, we do find that later on, Stephen is made mention of many times as Paul would give his testimony and even in some of the writings of the apostle Paul. Again, uh, I believe that no doubt that as Saul of Tarsus was standing and watching Stephen being stoned to death and the steadfastness of Stephen's faith and even the declaration at the end of his life where he said, don't hold this sin against them. I don't believe that you could have been there at that point in time without the testimony of Stephen's life impacting you some. Even if you hated the man and hated that message, you had to see that there was something in his life that I don't have. There's something in his faith and his walk with his God that I don't have in my faith and my walk with God. Today we return to a man by the name of Barnabas. We'll see that Barnabas actually had a, had a very big influence on Saul's life once we get to chapter 11, and then we also find out that by the time we get to Acts chapter 15, that Barnabas and Saul or Paul have a big breaking apart. They have a, a big fallout. But when you look at these three men, not to mention the unnamed believers that helped him get out of Damascus through the basket over the wall, the, the, the brethren that helped him get from Jerusalem over to Caesarea, guarding him and you know, you know, bringing him over to Caesarea and getting him on a ship. We don't know all those guys' names. We don't know who all was involved with that. Each of them, though, in some way, had some kind of influence on this new and yet a very gifted messenger of God. And when you pause to reflect on these three men, particularly these three, Stephen, Ananias, and Barnabas, you see God using three different individuals, I believe three different individuals with three differing gifts and callings in their life. God uses each one in a specific way, uses each one in a specific time in Saul's life. And once again, I'm, I'm reminded both not only of the diversity and the necessity of each and every member of the body of Christ, but how God uses that diversity in so many different ways. Even having the same gifts, God will use two different people in two different ways. Some of these, we, we notice that they weren't involved in Saul's life for very long. Ananias, for instance, for a very short time, and then he's gone. We don't read any more about him. In these closing minutes, I want to actually segue to some words that were written by Paul the Apostle. He saw these things actually fulfilled in his own life, in his early Christian life, but I believe he also, as he continued to minister, he saw them being fulfilled in the life of the churches that he ministered to. He continues to speak as he writes of brothers and sisters, believers, being united together as the body of Christ. We've been talking about this on Wednesdays as we've been going through the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now we see a practical application of it here in the book of Acts. 
Some people we know, some people we don't know. Some people whose names will remain forever because they're written within the word. Some people will never know their names until the other side of heaven. But God used these individuals for the glory of the kingdom of God and for the building up of his bride, the church. God still uses individuals, uses individuals for his kingdom's glory, for building up the body of Christ, for building up the bride of Christ. He uses individuals with gifts and callings within their lives. Individuals, guess what? Just like you. Just like you for the edifying of the whole body. That's why Paul tells us in Romans, in Romans chapter 12, Paul writes, for we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. And so we being many, we're one body in Christ and individually we are members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. The impact of Stephen was simply the testimony of his life before a man that hated him. The impact of Ananias was a man that was scared to death, and yet he was willing to follow God's leading. The impact of Barnabas was somebody to come and link arms and bring a brother into fellowship with the body of Christ. Each one of those gifts necessary. Each one of those callings necessary. Paul also writes to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being member are one body, so also is Christ. And he goes on to say further in that chapter, now you are the body of Christ and your members individually of it. My guess would be that the apostle himself would have seen the importance of each of these individuals, as well as countless others throughout his ministry. It's just an important part of God's plan. Whether he knew their name or not. Whether he ever saw them again or not. He could see how God was moving individual members. Again, for the work of God, not only in his own life personally, but also for the growth of the church and for the kingdom of God in a grander sense. Beloved, there's not a single one of us that are here today in this place, but that through God's providence, he has brought you into this fellowship. There's not a one of us here in this place today, but that through God's providence, he brought into your life somebody that impacted you with the truth and the hope of the gospel. For some of you, it was the faithfulness of a Sunday school teacher that devoted uh, uh, themselves to teach the Word of God week in and week out to a bunch of students that they didn't seem to hear a word that they said, but yet later on in life, they can remember that one Sunday school teacher that just poured out love and poured the Word of God into their life. Maybe for some of you, We've seen the power of the Holy Spirit of God on an individual's life in a way that, that we never knew existed. We were actually kind of jealous because we saw in them a, a closeness with the Lord and, a, and, a, and the working power of God in their life that we've never experienced. And in our jealousy, we wanted more. We wanted more of God. We wanted more of a surrender in our life in order that God might use us more. For others of us, 
even as we've, after we've blown it big time, again and again, and even as we were rejected by multitudes, there was that one that had the very touch of Jesus that continued to love us, that continued to reach out to us, encouraging us not to give up, but to forget those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead and to press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And thank God for those individuals in our lives. We've all had those kinds of people in our lives. And beloved, because God's called us into his kingdom, each one of us need to be those kinds of people in other people's lives. For some of you, God has called you to be like a Stephen. The very testimony, the very strength of his own witness, the very testimony of his, of his character is going to stir hearts, stir hearts for somebody that you might not think is even watching you. But yet because of the strength of your testimony, somebody's going to be moved. For some of you, maybe you'll be like an Ananias. The Lord will bring a direction in your life and there'll be great fear for you to take that step of faith. But in taking that step of faith, you're going to be able to touch the life of someone, maybe for just a moment in time. But the question is, is what are you going to do with that moment? Will they see Jesus in your life in that moment of time that God brings your paths together? Will they hear words of truth and blessing? And then they'll pass out of your life. You may never, ever hear the outcome of your time with them. But all you can do is trust the faithfulness of God. God moved on my heart to speak the truth of the message. And boom, I don't know what ever happened with it. That's okay. That's God's business. Amen? That's God's business. For others of you, maybe God's called you to be a Barnabas, to be an intentional Barnabas. Somebody that, that's an encourager that, that goes beyond your own comfort zone, that, that goes beyond to touch the life of someone that others reject or ignore or they don't trust, and yet God is telling you, no, I need you to move in their life as an intentional Barnabas, an intentional encourager. The Lord has called you to be the one, perhaps, that that connects with them and causes them to grow in relationship with the church as a whole, connecting them in order that not only would they be blessed, but also as they mature, they can become a blessing for the body of Christ. Beloved, the blood of Christ was shed for such as these, those that were rejected, those that were downtrodden, those that were, again, stained and soiled because of the things of this world. The blood of Christ was shed for them just like it was for you and I who were in that very same place. And his grace extends to those that are right now living lost in a dark and dying world. And it's the Holy Spirit of God working in the lives of believers just like you, just like me, that are going to touch the hearts of the world that surrounds us. Change is from
We're so glad you could be with us today as we opened God's Word and dove into the goodness and truth the Bible contains. If you've missed any part of today's message in Acts, we encourage you to refer to our website, calvarycg.org. Once there, you can browse our library of audio as well as learn more about the ministry of the Open Word. We'd love to hear from you about how God's working in your life. Please give us a call at 520-836-9676. When you call, please let us know how we can be praying for you. Again, that's 520-836-9676. If you prefer accessing information through social media, visit our Facebook page and keep up to date with all that's happening at The Open Word. Just go to theopenword.com. You'll be directed right to our page. You'll be able to explore more of Pastor David's audio there as well. As our time comes to a close today, Pastor David has a quick word of encouragement to share with you. Hey, thanks, Chris. Any time you spend in God's Word is valuable, and I'd like to encourage you to do it as often as possible. By diving deeper into the Scripture and letting it saturate your heart and mind, you'll be ready to take on your day as well as be prepared when the enemy attacks. If you're not sure where to start, you can begin by reading today's passage again. Or simply let your Bible fall open. If your heart is open to the Holy Spirit's direction, you can't go wrong. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. And I hope you'll join me again next time on The Open Word. Make a small-